you know, seeing all these guys and, and their friendships grow and, and see them continue to stay in touch and go fishing together and call each other when they're having a hard time. It's, it's been really powerful to see. I want to go where the moon shines bright. Welcome everyone to the It Matters to Me podcast, a show that seeks out the passions in all of our lives and the motivations behind why we pursue them. Today, my guest is Jennings Hester, founder of Fishing the Good Fight. It's a nonprofit that helps Colorado men overcome depression, anxiety, and substance abuse through the simple act of fly fishing. After a promising athletic career on the University of Alabama's football team, yes, that University of Alabama, after that career was cut short, Jennings went through an all-too-familiar period of his life where he suddenly was forced to question who he was, or at least who he thought he was. And like most men his age, he thought he needed to keep that uncertainty and struggle to himself because of the stigmas around masculinity and mental health. But after realizing just how damaging those effects were having on himself and those around him, he decided to seek help. And part of that came after realizing just how positive of an impact being outdoors could have on him. And out of that realization, and coupled with a serendipitous birthday gift, Fishing the Good Fight was born. When I met Jennings probably two weeks ago at this point, I could tell from the outset just how authentic he is and how sincerely personal the mission of Fishing the Good Fight is to him. And as I become more and more comfortable talking about my own struggles with depression and loneliness, this conversation couldn't have meant more to me personally. What he and the rest of his board are doing is simply astounding, and I can't encourage you enough to check them out and help support their cause. So, all right, with that over with, let's get to it. Here's my talk with Jennings Hester. Jennings, welcome to this show, man. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, we, we had some technical difficulties uh, getting on here, so I'm I'm glad that we got them sorted out because, uh, you know, I just met you within the last week, and I met you um, at a local fly fishing, or fly, you know, Charlie's Fly Box, uh, an outdoors kind of shop here in Wheat Ridge, and as soon as I heard about the organization that you lead and that we're definitely going to talk about, it was one of those where I just felt drawn to. Um, but before we get into that, I'd like to start each show with a similar question um, kind of for each guest because I feel like it gives the listener a better insight into who the guest is and how they got to where they are today. And that question is, if I knew you growing up, what kinds of stories would I tell about you? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's it's a good question. Um, you know, I was this uh, uber competitive, you know, multi-sport athlete, kind of daredevil, uh, you know, building half pipes to skateboard in and making BMX courses, you know, in our neighborhood. So you would have had all sorts of stories of me uh, definitely getting hurt and doing stupid stuff um, like jumping off of a half pipe onto a trampoline, you know, which just isn't smart or advisable. Um, so there would have been lots of stories of, 
me and my buddies in the neighborhood doing stupid stuff like that. And then, um, you know, football was, was always at the core of who I was as a person. So, uh, from eighth grade on, I was a, a middle linebacker and I knew that's who I wanted to be. So you would have heard stories about, you know, how intensely I trained and, and never really stopped. Yeah. Uh, did you play through high school and, um, into college? I, I did. Yeah. I, I played in high school and then I was a member of uh, Saban's first recruiting class at Alabama. So I played at Alabama uh, for three years until I ended up having a career ending injury um, and was put on what's called a medical scholarship. Wow. Um, so I was I was a walk on at Mizzou, actually. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, what years were you at Alabama? This is pre SEC days. And I like to claim, you know, truthfully <laughs> that I, uh, for me, since when we were in the big 12 and I, I never lost to an SEC team. Um, and we did play, we played like <laughs> South Carolina, um, uh, Arkansas and, and Ole Miss and stuff. So, but yeah, I, I, that's, that's my claim to fame. What years were you at Alabama? Yeah. Yeah. I was, so I was there from 2007 to 2012 and I got hurt in my my junior year, my red shirt sophomore year. So three years in is when I got hurt. And what did you end up doing? Uh, what was your injury? I, I tore my hamstring quite literally in half. And um, I, I tried to rehab and I saw every specialist you can think of. And, you know, I just, I kept tearing it. And um, then I'd pull the other one, you know, compensating and um, you know, when you're a linebacker in the SEC, you know, you lose, uh, you know, a quarter of a millisecond of speed or size or strength. And, you know, you're just not at that level anymore. Man. And especially at something like Alabama, um, I can't, I honestly, like, it's hard for me to imagine that kind of like competition you were up against. At, oh, at, God, at yeah. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it's the who's who, you know, of my teammates, you know, I mean, I was, you know, with in my linebacker class alone, I think we had five guys go to the NFL two first rounders. Um, so, you only know, five. With, yeah, only five, um, you know, so you're, you know, as an inside backer, you know, you're six four, two fifty, and, you know, you've got to be able to run. And, you know, you lose any of that, like I was saying, and you're just, you're not at that level anymore. So, you know, stellar, I'm going to just going to call you a stellar football player. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're from stellar football player to now I should also, um, I know I'm definitely not trying to make this a dick measuring contest, but I, I tore my ACL my senior year at Mizzou. So I, mm -hmm. I kind of understand a little bit about this next question, but when you did that and you kind of realized that the truth of the matter was that your football career was over, um, How'd that make you feel? It, it was terrible. Uh, you know, I mean, <clears throat> my whole life had been centered around that. Like I joke, but when I went to Peewee tryouts at eight years old, I, you know, they said, what do you want to play? I said, I want to be an inside linebacker like Derek Brooks. And I want to play at the SEC. And, you know, from the time I was, a lot of kids say that, but from the time I was eight years old, you know, until I was 20, that was my life. Um, you know, that was that was my identity. You know, that was my community. That was how I, you know, found self-worth was through my stats and, uh, you know, through my, what I could bench and what I could run and how many tackles I had. So, you know, all of a sudden that's pulled away from you and you just kind of have this identity crisis where it's like, who am I? 
uh, and, you know, your community is stripped out from underneath you because, you know, you're not in a fraternity. You're not in any clubs. You don't have time for that. You know, you're working a 60 hour week between being a student and an athlete. And so all your friends are your fellow athletes. And, you know, once you're not with them 24 seven, you just kind of get pushed to the wayside. So, you know, you lose your friend group, you lose your community, you lose your purpose. You know, it's, it's just really hard. And, you know, stepping even further. So you, you lead an organization called uh, fishing the good fight. Mm -hmm. Uh, Would you mind explaining what that organization does and what its mission is and kind of how you came to uh, found it? Yeah. So, um, we're about, we're a little over three years old. Um, and our mission is improving all lives by serving men facing mental health challenges. And so, you know, it's a very broad statement, but, you know, we work with anything from a vet that's struggling with PTSD to your next door neighbor that's going through a divorce and he's drinking too much and he's just having a really hard time. Um, so, Really, the the purpose behind the organization was creating programs and resources for guys so that they didn't have to go through what I did, Um, which I kind of joke that I'm the stereotypical, you know, American male struggling, you know, with a mental illness. And most of us go over a decade, you know, without any diagnosis, without any help. Um, We don't realize we have something that can be treated. Uh, we're scared to talk about it, especially as an athlete or as, or as a vet. Um, you know, we're taught our whole lives not to talk about those things, injuries, anything along those lines. So, you know, we wanted to create awareness around it because um, I didn't realize I had something that could be treated. Um, and then we wanted to provide resources uh, for guys and, and programs that, you know, one, created a community of supportive men, you know, that you can rely on. But um, we also believe very strongly in, in talk therapy, uh, and we utilize fly fishing as our healthy therapeutic outlet out in nature, um, as opposed to, you know, the outlets that a lot of men utilize to, to struggle to deal with what they're struggling with, which are usually negative. You know, they're usually violent or, uh, or substance abuse related or something along those lines. So, you know, that's kind of the idea behind the organization and, you know, we do wellness retreats and we provide financial assistance for guys for mental health services. And uh, we do men's groups and we do social activities, you know, because once once you're out of college, you know, or out of the military, like there's just no sense of community. And we kind of underestimated the value of that side of things when we first started. But, you know, seeing all these guys and, and their friendships grow and, and see them continue to stay in touch and go fishing together and call each other when they're having a hard time. It's, it's been really powerful to see. I, I can definitely speak to that. Like I said, you know, I'm, um, when I first heard about it, I was, it's just like my ears just instantly perked up when I heard, you know, men's mental health issues and, um, you know, I, I am a veteran myself as well. And kind of going back to the football thing, similar to that when I was done playing football and I was in when my career in the military was over was just this utter identity crisis. And even though I know that there are guys that are out there that at the drop of a hat, even though they're halfway around the world, I could call them and they would be there for me. I am unfortunately, like they, they're halfway around the world and, right. and that they're, they're not people that I'm around, uh, every day. So, um, what was 
you know, can you speak to like a specific moment that made you realize that this, you needed to do this, you needed to start uh, fishing the good fight? Um, you know, for, for me, I, I bit, you know, once I got hurt, you know, my, my depression, anxiety, it all just spiraled and just got worse and worse and worse, you know, and the isolation and not being around, you know, my, my brothers just, it just spiraled for the next, you know, eight or so years. And finally, my, my now wife, uh, then girlfriend and, and my family just said, we can't be around you anymore. Like you just, the way you talk about yourself, um, you know, how negative you are, just your level of depression, like you've got to get help. And so, uh, like most guys, I was basically dragged to get help and got on medication and, and found a therapist I really liked. And that led to the outdoors, uh, is, is an outlet for me and in, in my recovery. And, uh, eventually that led to a fly rod in my hand and doing that while I'm out camping with my dog. And I knew I needed to move West to have better access to it. So I did. And, uh, I started tying flies and people started asking me if, if I sold them. And so I was like, no, but you know, maybe there's something good I can do here, you know? And, and when this started, it, it was really, we had no idea what, what we were going to do. It was, we want to do something good. We want to help men, you know, in similar situations. And it started to just, you know, some donations to organizations that we liked that, that worked with men. Um, but I wouldn't say there was necessarily like this light bulb moment, you know, when we just started, when, when we decided to start this, it's, it's kind of a funny story. Um, a buddy from high school, that's on my board. He, we were fishing one day and uh, we were talking about this and brainstorming and coming up with the name of the organization and, and what we would do. And, you know, a month or so later from my birthday, he's a lawyer and he incorporated us as a 501c3. And he said, all right, you've been talking about it, go do it. Um, and so that's how we started. <laughs> and we just, we just ran with it from there. That's one hell of a birthday gift. <laughs> Here's, some, <laughs> here's an LLC. <laughs> exactly. Here's an LLC. You're a 501c3. You're, you're in good standing with the state. Now go figure this out. <laughs> now, three years. Um, I mean, just, I, I want to say like, this is, this is incredibly impressive in just three years. You, you've, you've, grown to an organization where you're not just bringing people together um just kind of like by creating an event you're actually able to fund people coming together uh, how are you mm -hmm. able to do that and kind of what was your approach to to yeah to to reaching out to donors now it, in in I think you said you were making donations at first is that correct or were you were well, still we, receiving donations we we were through our fly sales. So, you know, originally our, our only revenue source were these flies I was tying. Um, and, you know, that wasn't a great revenue source. We didn't even go down the donor road for about a year. And, you know, we did like 20 grand in sales our first year and we'd make a quarterly donation from those sales. And, um, you know, then we realized that we wanted to bring programs in house where we could really control how these funds were being utilized. And, so that's how all of our internal programming, you know, got started was based on things that I wish I had uh, when I was at my worst. Um, so they're really a reflection of, of my journey um, through my mental health challenges. Um, but, you know, we we're really bootstrapped. I mean, 
a lot of nonprofits get started because they have a big donor and, you know, somebody really likes their idea, but we were just a couple, we were just a few guys that wanted to do good. And, and so it started with say fly sales and then we started getting some donors and then we started reaching out to people that, you know, we're, we're donors in the industry that, you know, we're like-minded. And so we really rely on individual donors. Um, it's, it's completely just organic and, and bootstrapped. Man, 20,000 in, in sales just by time flies. I, I need to get in time flies. <laughs> yeah, well, the margins aren't fantastic. And uh, the amount of time that goes into that, I, I mean, I'd be up till two, three in the morning trying to keep up, you know, in that first year. Oh yeah. I mean, I definitely don't want to be painting light of it as if it's uh, as simple as like blowing <laughs> your nose, but yeah, that's, that's def it's more than I would have, I would have thought. Um, yeah. Getting, getting deeper. Um, why do you think this is such a problem for, and, and, and I under, and I'm not trying to call out toxic masculinity or be right. anything other than just what I feel like is honest. But why do you think that men, especially men that are around our age, are having such a difficult time right now? Yeah, no, it's it's a great question. And I think there's a lot of factors. Uh, there's this really good documentary called The Mask We Live In um, that dives into this. Uh, in depth and it's actually narrated by a former NFL player and coach um, which was cool it resonated with me but you know he kind of starts things off with you know the worst three words a boy can hear growing up is be a man and you know it, it's so true you know because I don't like to go down this toxic masculinity thing either because it in my opinion it just creates confusion uh, among guys in terms of like what's okay, what's not okay, you know, can, is it okay to have an urge to have sex or like have an urge to want to, you know, be angry or, or have an urge to want to fight? Like, you know, those are natural urges. And I think, you know, the toxic masculinity thing, I think it's really confusing for guys, but you know, the, the whole concept around being a man is, is where we're really thrown off. And I think that, you know, as boys, uh, you know, you look up at it, it, who we idolize growing up. And most of the time, they're not great guys. Uh, you know, most of the time, they're guys that we idolize simply because of some set of accomplishments, usually athletic, or, you know, you're Arnold, you know, you're this big, buff, strong dude in movies, you know, and they're, they're not, we're, we're not idolizing any type of values. You know, we're, we're just idolizing success. And, you know, as men, I think we have a really hard time with, you know, an intrinsic value, self-worth, you know, um, separating our accomplishments from who we are as a man and, and what our values are, um, you know, and, and what value we provide in our community and in our relationships. And it's so easy for guys to just get caught up in, oh, I make this much money. I make so much more than him. Or, you know, I, I blew up my sales quota or... I lift this much or I can run this fast. And, you know, if you take any of those things away, you know, what are you left with? And, and that's where I think there's this real struggle with men in terms of what is my value, you know, in, in today's society and what am I supposed to be as a man? Um, so, you know, idolizing the wrong things and, and idolizing metrics and stats, you know, it's, 
it's it doesn't lead to happiness, you know, in the long term. So I think that's a big, big component of it. Are there any good role model role models that are out there that you've kind of like learned to appreciate nowadays? Yeah, I mean, there definitely, um, you know, there's, there's definitely guys out there. Um, there's, we have all sorts of partners out here in Colorado with a lot of guys that I really admire that are doing similar things, you know, but, um, through different, a different lens or a different outlet. Um, you know, there's a guy named Traver Boehm who runs a group called Man Uncivilized. Um, that's kind of all about demystifying the whole toxic masculinity thing. And, you know, trying to find that balance between our urges as, as men and, and recognizing them and, you know, and realizing they're not bad, but also, uh, you know, he tries to marry that with um, providing value in your community and being present and what your values are. Um, so it's kind of this, you know, it's kind of this, uh, what's the right word for it? It's like this spectrum, you know, of like, you got quote unquote toxic masculinity on your, on the far right. And then you've got, you know, let's call it uh, softness, like, you know, on the left. And, and so it's kind of trying to find that middle ground of like, I am a man. Um, I have these urges, you know, I can listen to them or I can not listen to them, but also uh, being a man means understanding my values and, and what what kind of community support I can provide and what value I can provide. Um, so like he's a great example. Um, it's another guy that runs a group called Revital here in Colorado that does a similar thing as we do, but for first responders. Um, I've met so many guys that I look up to through this organization. Um, you know, whether it's just a normal guy that comes on a retreat and I kind of learn his story and and I see the work that he's doing um, to try to be a better man um, for himself, for, you know, his spouse, for his kids, for his coworkers, um, you know, and, and those are the guys that, that I admire, you know, that are willing to step out of their comfort zone and admit that they're having some challenges and realizing they're not alone in them. It's not a bad thing and actually taking actions, you know, to, to work on it. Um, you know, those are the guys I look up to. Walk me through the flow of a, re of a retreat and how kind of talk therapy finds its way into that. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we go, you know, throughout the state to different, um, private sections of water and, um, guys show up Friday evening. And so there's eight quote unquote participants and they're all paired with a volunteer for the weekend. Um, then there's a, a clinician, a, a licensed therapist to run group. And so, you know, we kick the weekend off, everybody checks in and just kind of some small talk, but we get down to our, our intro meeting and, you know, you've got 25 guys sitting around together and, you know, I always kick it off telling my story and, uh, just showing the guys that, you know, it's okay to talk about this and, and I'm willing to talk about this. And this is how this weekend's going to be like. You know, everyone's going to be talking about this because most of our volunteers were participants. Most of them have been through the program, almost every single one of them. So we kick things off, you know, going around the room and, and talking about why we're here. Like, what do we want to work on? Um, what are we struggling with? Uh, what's our fishing experience like? Because we get everything um, from someone who's never touched a rod to guides. Um, so we kind of set that tone 
you know, right off the bat on Friday night that this is a safe setting. Uh, what stays here, what's said here stays here. Uh, we're going to be vulnerable. We're going to have some hard discussion. There's going to be tears. Um, there's going to be hugs. And, you know, so we have dinner that night and first thing Saturday morning, we drive out to the river and um, our therapist leads group group session with the guys. And, you know, each session kind of has a different theme to it. Um, but they go into group. Um, then they get on the water with with their volunteer and work on the fly fishing side of things and kind of let the water uh, like just let those emotions kind of kind of flow down it, you know, and, and let go of them and just have some time to reflect and relax. And then we do some fly fishing instruction um, presentations and, and have lunch and, and do a little more fishing and then have another group session. So there's kind of this back and forth between, you know, really tough and you know deep group sessions and conversations to really relaxing and, and being in nature and, and being mindful and present because you know in fly fishing if you're not paying attention to every single thing going on you're not going to catch a fish there's just too many too many variables and and that's why we utilize fly fishing is one the nature component because there's so much research just backing um, the value of it from a therapeutic standpoint but Fly fishing requires you to be completely present, you know, and, and if you're not, you're not going to catch anything. So it's a great way for the guys to, to go through these sessions and, and, you know, uncover some deep stuff that they may have been holding on to for a long time and then just relax, you know, and, and hear the sound of the water. Um, and, you know, sometimes a guy just goes and takes a walk after a session, you know, he just needs some time. You know, sometimes a guy wants his volunteer, his, his quote unquote guide you know, walking them through every single step of the process, you know, it's just different for every single guy, but that's kind of the flow of it. It's, it's kind of that back and forth between, you know, fishing and, you know, some, some group work. And would you categorize it as a, like a fishing organization that integrates therapy or a therapy integration that sprinkles in fly fishing? We're, we're a mental health organization that leverages fly fishing you know, as an outlet. So we're, we're definitely a mental health, health organization first and foremost, but everything that we do does incorporate fly fishing just because of the benefits of it. And you'll have to forgive me. Um, cause I'm going to definitely use the excuse that I can't catch a fish because I'm not present. <laughs> um, <and there's> <laughs> I, I have a fly fishing rod sitting on my wall. Um, I've, uh, but yeah, I am by no means a fisherman and, but it's, <laughs> What is it about being present and kind of, you know, you already touched on a little bit, but what is it about being out in nature that you think, and that the science does prove, and I do support that, but why do you, why does being out in nature and in in fishing environment help people just open up more? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a great icebreaker, right? It's like everybody most, most guys like fishing, you know, whether that's traditional fishing, fly fishing, whatever. So it's, it's a nice little icebreaker, like, Hey, you know, maybe I can dangle my foot in the water and like, see if I'm comfortable with this. And I've wanted to learn to fly fish. So, you know, let's try it. Um, but in terms of, you know, the fishing itself, um, we go into pretty, pretty big detail, um, in terms of the 30 different variables that affect fly fishing, you know, cause we're, we're trying to imitate bugs in the water and their different stages and, 
fish are smart and, and they know when a bug looks like it's moving naturally or if it's the right size or if it's the right color, um, if it's deep enough in the water. So, you know, there's just all these variables, um, you know, starting with your cast to the amount of weight you have on, to the depth you're fishing, to the stage of a fly that you're fishing, um, to what the fish are doing and, and how they're behaving to tell you what they're eating underneath the water. So there's just all, it's this big puzzle piece, um, you know, that requires just complete attention. And, you know, it just, it requires you to drop the everyday stressors of life. Because once again, if if you're thinking about those things, you're not going to catch a fish. And, you know, sometimes those things will creep in and we get distracted and then the water brings us back. Um, You know, and on, on the science side of things, you know, there is so much research out there. It's, it's pretty incredible in terms of, all the different senses, um, you know, sight, vision, smell, hearing, um, and their impact, um, on your brain, um, and just how big of an impact nature has in a, in a positive way. Um, just getting away from hearing an airplane over, over your head and and hearing traffic, those little things really cause disruptions, um, you know, in our, in our brain. And so when we're out there on the water, all that stuff's gone. All those distractions are gone. All those stressors are gone. So, you know, that's the only thing to focus on. That's so true. I uh, broke my ankle last year. Uh, and, I'll, you know, there's no better way to, to phrase this period of the last like, couple of months of 2022. It was just a, a kick in the dick. <laughs> um, <laughs> broke my ankle, got COVID. I had evaded COVID for the entire pandemic up until the summer of last year. Um, it's impressive. I, it was, you know, I had a good streak, uh, but it, you know, got COVID then broke my ankle, um, pretty severely, uh, had to have surgery on it. Then, um, the, my girlfriend and I broke up and it, you know, and it was a very serious relationship. And then, um, about like a month after that, I was, uh, I was in the hospital again o- overnight, um, with a little bit of a scare. And it just was like, it, it, I, when I had cancer, um, I, I used this like anecdote that when thing, when shit just kept rolling downhill, when I thought I'd hit rock bottom, God simply handed me a, a shovel and said, keep fucking digging. And yeah. <laughs> that's what that last year felt like. And so, but what I'm getting at is that for a couple months, I was, I, 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 you know, I, I could not go outside. I mean, I could go run errands, but I, could, I literally could not go for a hike. I couldn't be outdoors. And now that I'm, I'm back somewhat to a normal speed, uh, it's, a, it's just a night and day difference in, <clears throat> in my personality and, and just like mm-hmm. my overall mental health and just being able to be outside and, and be, for me, my thing is running and being able to just find my breath on a run. And so, yeah, I, you know, again, I suck at fly fishing, so I can, I, I would imagine though, if I was good at it, how, how uh, peaceful it must be, um, to be out there on the water. You know, instead of just getting tangled every single cast, pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> just like, just like, what am I doing out here? I mean, so, uh, yeah, just, you know, uh, like. I, I literally have, I, I've, I've gone out and I do practice casting and stuff and I try to learn off like YouTube and everything. And it's just one of those where you know, I, I do enjoy it and I, I, I am persisting. That's kind of how I met you was I'm the friend that, um, brought me to that event was I told him, I was like, Hey, like 
I, I want to get into fly fishing, like help yeah. me get into fly fishing. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm slowly learning and hopefully improving over time. Um, but how, so with, with what you guys do and I'm, you know, you said you guys have retreats of up to like 25 people, which is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. how do you prevent people getting into that mentality of like, Oh, well he just caught, you know, such and such big fish, you know, right. you know I gotta catch a bigger fish kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a good question. We, um, you know, one of the first things that our clinician does is really kind of setting expectations for the weekend, you know, and, and it's always up to the guys and it's, it's different with every group, but something that always comes up is no dick measuring. <laughs> like it's always on the board, you know, of, expectations, you know, in terms of how you're going to, how you're going to treat each other for the weekend. So whether that's dick measuring in terms of, well, my trauma was worse than yours, or, well, my trauma is not nearly as bad as his, like I shouldn't be doing this bad. Um, or it's fishing. Um, because as I was saying earlier, we deal with everything from guys that have never touched a rod to guys that guide every other day of the year, you know? So, the, the talent level from a fishing perspective is all over the board. And, you know, as we're teaching our fly fishing sessions throughout the weekend, you know, the whole message around it is that fly fishing is a never ending learning curve. Uh, you're always learning. Like you can talk to the best guides in the world that have been doing this for 50 years. And they're like, yeah, I, knew, I learned something new every time I'm on the water, you know? So, so we just really harp on the process of it, you know, in terms of, Hey, you know, today, you know, if you're brand new, like, let's just get this cast down, you know, let's not worry about the fish, like, let's get this cast down. Um, And then next session, like, hey, now we're going to work on this rig a little bit, you know, and understanding why we're setting it up this way, and and why we're tying certain things on and, and why we're putting weight here versus there. And, you know, so we really, we really emphasize the learning side of things and the journey of fly fishing. And, and it's really the beautiful part of it is it is this journey. It's this, it's this blend of art and science, you know, um, all of us are super big, you know, bug geeks, total nerds, you know, like I, I could sit with you for five hours and talk about every species of bug, you know, there is in Colorado and every single stage of that bug, you know, just like a butterfly, you know, hatching. Um, so we, we really just harp on, on the process and the learning curve of it and just getting better at one thing at a time. And I, I think that helps to, you know, uh, not have guys feel like, Oh, I'm not as good as him. Like I've only caught this smaller fish. It's like, no, you're working on something, you know, at the end of that hour that or those two hours with your guide, like you got better at this, you know, and that's all we're focused on. It's just improvement. Yeah. And, and I'd be hard to, uh, I'd be hard pressed to believe that people are showing up at something like this with an, any intention whatsoever to do anything other than just to be a better person and, you know, not going into it with like a, a mentality of like, I got to catch the biggest fish or, you know, something Correct. like, you know, what do, <laughs> do Correct. like, like we, like, you know, I, I like to go back to, uh, one of our first retreats we had of that. Uh, you know, this guy's six, eight, you know, he did eight tours, you know, behind enemy lines and search and rescue. And, you know, just this total badass, you know, big bearded guy, you know, that still works, you know, very closely um, with the, uh, with the Pentagon. And, 
you know, it's just, if you saw him, you'd be like, this guy's going to beat the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> like if I say anything wrong to this guy, like it's not going to go well. And, you know, he, he had kind of, kind of like you, you know, he had a rod, like he'd always wanted to get into it. And, you know, he got out there during that first session and, you know, hooked into some fish, didn't catch any. And then, you know, the second session he was getting better and his drifts were better and, you know, everything was just getting a little bit better. And, um, he landed his first fish and, you know, I look over and I see this six foot eight, 275 pound man squeezing one of my board members to death, you know, just over how happy he was that he, this little three inch fish, you know, um, but he'd finally landed one of these and like that just summed it up, you know, it was like, they don't care. Like, and, and I'll have guys that, you know, get to the last session of fishing. They're like, I'm good, man. They're like, I just want to chill. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just, there's just not any competition. And what's it like for, you know, I, I, you know, I don't want to ask too private of a question, but for, for guys that go through, can you kind of like, what, what do they say about it after a session and more, maybe more like, is there someone out there who who you can say had like a legitimate breakthrough during a, a retreat and kind of what was that like? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's very common and, you know, uh, if you're ever curious, you can go on our YouTube or our website and see plenty of testimonials from guys. But, um, one of my really good friends, this, it was a cool one. He, um, he's always struggled, um, with, with some mental illnesses and, and substance abuse combination, which is, you know, pretty standard. And, um, you know, he really came to the first one just to be a supportive friend and he was just kind of curious about it. And, you know, he, he finished the weekend and he was like, holy shit, man. He was like, I'm going to go back a better husband. Like I'm going to be better for my kids. Like I'm going to be better for my wife. Um, like I know what I need to do. And here we are a month later and he signed up for the next one <laughs> and he's back again. And he's like, you know, I, I took away a lot from the first one. He's like, now I need to really create my action plan and like follow through with all this stuff. And, um, you know, just, just seeing guys like that just completely break down by the end of it. And just the weight a lot of these guys have been holding can be 30 years old, you know, that's just never come out. And so seeing them, you know, go, go from being a little bit hesitant and a little bit unsure of what they're getting into, you know, and starting with a stern handshake <laughs> with everybody and, seeing everybody hug and get everybody's number at the end of the retreat and seeing these guys stay in touch, you know, and seeing on social media that like, Oh, five of the guys from the last retreat are out on a fishing trip together. Like that's, it's so cool to see these guys one, like really take action steps to, to improve um, and, and be a better guy, but seeing them stay involved. And, you know, we pretty much don't have anyone that does one thing and they're out. Um, I, almost every single guy that gets involved with our programs continues to stay involved with our programs. So, you know, whether they came in to retreat as a participant or they joined our men's group or they came to a fly tying night, um, next thing they're a volunteer at a retreat or they're a participant in a retreat that just came to a tying night. So you just, you see this organic flow where these guys just want to stay involved with each other. And they want to stay involved in the organization. And um, that's, that's what's really powerful. 
what kind of like age range do y'all deal with? There is there is as wide as any, you know, as young as 18 to as old as 70, or is it kind of concentrated into a certain demographic? I, I would say that on average, you know, it's your, it's your working class male, you know, 30 to 50 years old, but we've, we deal, we work with everything from, we've had multiple guys in high school, um, you know, to 65 year olds. So it's, we don't, it's, our, it, we're intentionally open to everyone because there's a lot of groups out there that, you know, maybe they only work with vets or they only work with this age group. You know, we, we try to leave it open to a really broad group of guys. And is there anything that is kind of like a no-go zone when you're in, when you're kind of on a retreat, like, First thing that comes to mind is like politics. Do you kind of just establish like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna yeah. talk about everything and anything except politics? Yeah, we we stay away from politics. We stay away from religion. You know, any of those kind of areas because it has nothing to do with what we're doing. You know, um, mental health has nothing to do with your political views, your religious views. Um, it, it just doesn't. So we we stay away from those things. Um, you know pretty intentionally and it, it just it never really comes up you know because guys are focused on on improving like they're just they're just focused on enjoying the weekend the experience and making those connections and and leaving a better version of themselves that's that's the goal of everyone there which is it's cool to see that like-minded group of men get together and you you spoke a little to this before and i was and i've been trying to find a good way to ask this question but you know, you meant you mentioned values. Um, what are the values that I think you you your that fishing the good fight is trying to impart on people, or is that is that even like a a part of the process where you have these values that you want men to walk away with, um, or is it just something where guys just find on their own what they should value in life? No, I mean, no, we absolutely have our you know, our values as an organization. And I think that kind of organically they get passed along to these guys, you know, but, um, uh, curiosity, you know, um, we, we want to be curious. We want to try new things. We want to, um, we want to play around and see what works, what doesn't work. Um, empathy, um, vulnerability, um, uh, being welcoming, you know, and non-judgmental. Um, you know, those are the kind of values we want to, you know, impart with men, um, you know, providing, this isn't necessarily a value, but, you know, providing a certain level of confidence, um, is big, you know, whether that's fly fishing or related, you know, to your mental health and, and how you manage your relationships. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, our whole focus and, and our whole goal is to be a catalyst for change for these guys. You know, we don't specifically say, um, we're working with a guy with depression or, you know, we're working with guys uh, that are dealing with schizophrenia or alcoholism or, you know, whatever. Um, we, we just want to leave it open to improving our mental well-being and, and our mental health. And, you know, we believe that through a supportive community of guys and that through a healthy outlet in fly fishing and that through talk therapy, that those lead to a positive change, you know, and we work with mental health research analysts that pr are proving that, that these guys are continuing 
um, to, like I mentioned earlier, stay in touch together, have that community, but continuing to fish, continuing to grow and learn about the sport, continuing to seek professional help um, and guidance when it's when they need it. Um, so that's our goal is just being that catalyst for change, regardless of what a guy is dealing with. And you already mentioned this before, you know, you have these fly tying nights, but yeah, how do, how do people stay involved past the, you know, a retreat and, and go, is, is staying in touch something that's just on them? Or do you guys have any part in trying to continue organizing ways for previous retreat members to like come together again for something else? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great question. We have year long programming, you know, that's a combination of more mental health focused or more community focused. So um, every other week um, throughout the year, we are either leading fly tying classes or what we call fish alongs, you know, where 15 guys go together somewhere close by and we just go fish together, you know, and we teach each other things. And it's the same with fly tying night. So every other week, there's an opportunity for these guys to see each other again. And then once a month, we have an open men's group um, in downtown Denver where we have a different speaker talking about a different topic. Um, we have closed men's groups throughout the years, you know, where it's eight guys together for eight weeks, you know, with the clinician. So there's lots of different ways for these guys to stay in touch. And we're very intentional about that because we don't want it to just be, hey, you came to a retreat. Now, see you later. No, it's we want you to keep coming through all the different programs we offer. And are those events just open to the public um, for uh, anyone to come through? They are. Yep. So we, you know, we get a little bit of everything, you know, we get a blend of guys that have been in programs, guys that never have guys that are interested in mental health, guys that are more interested in fishing, you know, but it's just a great way for people to get introduced to the organization and in the community and, and see what it's about. I asked because I plan on 100% plan on coming to one at some point in the future. And we hope to have you. Sure I can, I can come. <laughs> yeah, we hope to have you. Yeah, just get, you know, subscribe to our mailing list and you'll get all the updates. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I definitely will. Um, now, again, three years. This is so impressive. Um, if in three years from now we're talking it. again, where would you like to have seen the organization grow? Yeah, we just had a board retreat last week, so it's it's good timing. <laughs> but um, we, um, you know, this year we're hoping to have uh, chapters in every region of the country. So we want to make it more accessible because we have we had guys fly in from almost 15 states this past year to attend some of our programs. And, you know, that's just not feasible for a lot of guys, even with the financial assistance we provide. So, um, you know, we want to have a Northeast, a Northwest, Southeast, Southwest, Central, um, you know, regional hub um, across the country to, to make the programs easier to attend. Um, and then, you know, we get three or so years down the line, you know, we're hoping to have uh, a presence in about every other state in the country um, so that, you know, really getting to any of our programs is never uh, a barrier for guys. And, you know, long term, you know, we look five years down the road or so, and we want every guy in this country to be aware of the program. Like it may not be the best fit for them, but at least to know that it's there, you know, and it, and it is a resource um, and it is an option. So expanding our footprint, um, you know, throughout the country, um, it's just going to help us reach more men. And, and that's the goal is, is just reaching more men and making it more accessible. Yeah. And 
do you ever see yourself expanding? I mean, it would, it would kind of clash with the the name of the organization, but do you ever see yourself expanding into things that are other than fishing? Uh, you know, like becoming like a, uh, having a chapter of hunting the good fight or, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I kind of, I kind of joke all the time, but I'm dead serious, you know, in terms of the model that I was explaining kind of those three prongs to our model, it, you know, you can insert so many different things like hunting, um, into that fly fishing, you know, part of the triangle. So, you know, you can insert rafting, mountain biking, hunting, you know, hiking, you know, for us, the important piece of it is it's in nature. Um, and you're away from, you know, the everyday stressors and grind, but yeah, I, I hope that other organizations copy what we're doing, you know, and, and implement the same model, but with different activities, because yeah, there's going to be some guys where fishing is just not what it, it's not, it's not what they want to do. You know, they, they may be more of the adrenaline guy, you know, that wants to mountain bike or a rock climb or whatever that may be or ski. So we want to see other people copy it you know, and, and just follow in our footsteps. And the more options there are for guys, the better. I, I say this half jokingly, but probably more on the serious side. If there's ever an opportunity to, to kind of lead a running the good fight, like I said, running is, is my thing. Um, right. I I've said before running gives me the confidence to be who I am. And I very much um, have, my own therapy sessions with friends while we're running. And so, yeah, if there's ever, if there's ever a chance to, uh, to help lead running the good fight, you let me know because I would jump. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Hey, maybe you can just go ahead and uh, start an LLC tomorrow and, you know, <laughs> we're not, we're not going to sue you, you know, they're not going to have to worry about trademark infringement or anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, we've only got it for fishing. So, you know, you can, you can uh, create any other one you'd like. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I, if, if I have your blessing, then maybe, maybe I just will, because again, it, it is, it's crazy how I, you know, just this morning, I, it was you know like 16 degrees and I was running around Sloan's Lake with a group of people that I've never met before. And, you know, it, we were, it was, it was only like an hour uh, of running, but it just was complete stranger. Maybe it's more just my personality. I have, an, I have a tendency to probably overshare sometimes. <laughs> and so, but there's just something, there is just something about physical activity, if not even out in nature that just makes, I know me and, and definitely people that I, uh, I have in my life makes us just more open to kind of just talking about the things that we're struggling with. And so, yeah, if, um, yeah, if that opportunity is out there for, for uh, running the good fight, I I'm, like I said, I'm going to take it. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're kind of, we're kind of coming to a close, but I, I want to, I want to end with, with a question for you. Um, because we've been talking about this, this incredible organization and the the impact that you've had and that you will, I, I'm going to be really surprised if in a couple of years, you guys aren't a national organization. Um, but the impact on you is what I want to know more about. Like what, how has this helped you um, at the end of the day? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, it certainly gives me a sense of purpose, you know, knowing that, I, I'm providing a, a service that's helping other men. You know, there's there's no way around the fact that that feels really good, you know, and it makes you feel good about yourself. But, you know, the other component of it, it, I've been lucky enough to, 
be able to participate in, in some of our men's groups and things like that is that it allowed me to kind of take a step back and, and see where I was having a hard time, you know, and uh, initially I was so focused on, you know, building the organization and, you know, and getting the infrastructure in place. But once I had time to kind of be involved and participate in some things and really see like how big of an impact it's having on guys, it allowed me to be like, shit, man, you got stuff to work on, you know, and, um, you know, mental, mental health is, it's not a destination. It's, it's a journey, you know, it's, it's continuous work. And, um, I found a new therapist within the last year and, you know, I emailed him. I'm like, yeah, it's just kind of maintenance, man. Like, you know, once a month, like, you know, just, I'm pretty good. And I go in there and we start diving into stuff and I'm like, shit, sign me up for next week. I'm like, I'll be back. (laughs) So, so it kind of helps me to get back to my own mental you know, wellness journey. Um, and you know, it, just like it has with other guys. Yeah. Well, again, um, what you're doing is, is so impressive and, and I know is so meaningful speaking it from someone who hasn't participated yet from someone who honestly, I, I, I struggle with my own mental, mental health. And, you know, I, from the outside looking in, I'm very aware of, the fact that I'm a 36 year old white male who has a full-time job and a roof over his head and, and all the, and all the trimmings, but I do still struggle and, um, something like what fish in the good fight and what you guys are doing. I, I can completely understand and resonate with, and I do plan on coming because it just is, it sounds like such a beautiful, uh, beautiful opportunity to meet some other incredible people such as yourself, but, um, oh, yeah, we'd, lo- we'd love to have you, you know, and <laughs> I, I, I just want to like, just to, just to kind of based off what you just said, you know, it's a great point. And it's the point that most of the times and a lot of the times it's the guys that look like they're doing the best that are actually doing the worst, you know, they may seem the most successful, you know, look at me. I was, a, you know, an SEC linebacker, but inside I was, absolutely terrible you know so you know i think it's a good kind of a good ending note it's just you know like robin williams once said be nice you don't know what shit guys are going through um you know there's everyone's dealing with something silently that we know nothing about so you know i think it's just a good point that you brought up you know that just because seems things look good on the outside it has nothing to do with what's going on internally it's so simple but yet it's so true um, Jenny, how, uh, would you like to direct people to either get in touch with you or learn more about fishing the good fight? Yeah. Yeah. So you can go to our website, uh, fishing the good fight.org. Um, it's got all the information, um, on our different programs. You can sign up for our newsletter to get updates on all of our upcoming events, um, throughout the year. Uh, we're on social media, you know, we have a big Instagram presence from Facebook, um, so follow us, you know, interact with us, engage with us, ask us questions. Um, you know, if you need financial assistance, um, don't hesitate to reach out. That's available for every single program that we offer. Um, you know, in fact, about 50% of all of our programming is donated money, um, you know, from, from donors for guys that can't afford it. So don't ever think that, you know, uh, financials is, is a barrier. Um, don't be intimidated by fly fishing. Like it's, 
it's a friendly, supportive organization. So yeah, follow us, sign up for our newsletter, and uh, hopefully we see some more guys. You know, it's some, some new faces at, at our programs. Well, like I keep saying, you're going to have at least one new face. This ugly mug is showing up <laughs> on time too. So, uh, well, Jenny, thank you so much. This is just is genuinely just been such a pleasure. No, oh, I, I really appreciate you letting us share about what we do and, you know, hopefully this reaches some, if it just reaches one guy, you know, that's, that is having a hard time and gets involved with us then it was well worth our time. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of the It Matters to Me podcast with my guest, Jennings Hester, founder of Fishing the Good Fight. If anything we talked about sparked something inside you, please do check out their work. And if you can, help support their cause. And if you have a minute and you enjoyed this episode and the podcast overall so far, please consider leaving a review and sharing it with a friend. It really helps other people discover the show. And like always, you can get in touch with me by writing an email to adam at itmatterstomepodcast.com. Can't wait to talk again soon. This is Adam Casey signing off.